Hey, hey everybody. everybody. Oh my, you, you, you <laughs> yeah. sly dog. Yeah. Well, well, listeners, welcome <laughs> to another episode of Let's Read the Bible. I'm Evan. And I'm Aaron. And this is a podcast where we read through the Bible together every year and talk about what we learned along the way. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and look up the Grove Church in Marysville, Washington. You can find our plan there. And we also have the plan available on our website, grove.church. And if you are jumping in today, we are on day 127. 127. Uh, <laughs> you covered really well. I'm proud of you for hey, that. Thank you. Uh, I've been planning that for months, bro. Not really. I just thought of it now. If you don't know this, uh, Evan has a way that he gets ready to launch into the podcast, and so I just timed it perfectly. Uh, it's a, yes, it's a deep breath. It's not as interesting as Aaron's making <laughs> no, it sound. No, but it was right awesome. Uh, but uh, my my little two cents here is if you got questions, we want to answer them as much as we can. Uh, there's three ways to send us in questions. One is an email. The email address is infogrove.church. Make sure to, sure to put in the subject line a podcast question, uh, or uh, you can direct message us on social media. We are the Grove Church in Washington State. As Evan has already said, we are on Facebook and we are on Instagram. Our handles for both are the Grove CH. You can DM us there uh, and we will make sure to answer those questions as quickly as we can. Boom. All right, listeners, this is Psalm extravaganza this is going to be there's going to be a lot of them we brought it up last it's week sultry psalms yeah basically these are all the psalms that we know were written by david but we don't have anything to go off of by as, as far as when the date when they're written is so we're just they're all lumped in at the end of david's yeah, life and to be clear this week is all psalms but so is next week is next if, week all if, psalms if not if not all psalms it's like 90 percent. i swear oh wow all right uh, but this is a ton of psalms, um, and maybe it's not 90%, but that we're not done with psalms after this week. So psalm, psalm, psalm. Buckle up. And remember what I told you. Read slowly so you can stay present in each psalm before you move on to the next one, because I didn't do that the first time. No. Little yeah. insider trick. Good deal. Yeah, I love um, part of part of the side effects of getting really obsessed with Job is that um, I just, or I got a new appreciation for biblical poetry. And so I actually, I've, I feel like I've gotten more out of the Psalms this year as far as just kind of being able to read them well. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to go through some of these. They're, they're going to be, yeah, it's good. They're going to be great. All right. So Psalm 12 is where we are going to start. Uh, it is a lament over the stage of the, of the state of the people of Israel. David sees the hypocrisy of many of the people, and he also gives this note of hope in Yahweh. And you'll see that as a theme with a lot of the Psalms where even the laments, they're kind of depressing up front, but they always, almost always end on a hopeful note in God. And the passage in this one is, think through verses five through eight, because the poor are plundered because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever on, the, on every side, the wicked prowl as vileness is exalted among the children of man. So I do love that note of hope there where it's like, because this is happening, Yahweh says, I will rise up. So there is that, yeah, I, I keep saying the phrase note of hope, but there is, that's how it ends there. Uh, Psalm 13 shows David at a low point. Uh, he wonders how long the Lord will forget him, but it does end on this note. And this is verses five through six, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Bountifully. Bountifully. I like that word. Yeah, it's a good time. And yeah, David here, what's he doing? He's recognizing that God has God has dealt with me 
wonderfully my entire life. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not going to stop now. And so there, even in the midst of his low, his low points, he's able to recognize that. In Psalm 14, this is another lament dealing with the fact that so many people in Israel uh, do not seek after God. And it begins with this famous and killer line. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable, abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Uh, abominable is also a really fun word to say. Yep, abominable. Uh, but that, yeah, that gets quoted all the time. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Uh, in the end, David longs for the salvation of his people. And at the end of Psalm 14, he declares that it will come, when it comes, the people will rejoice. So cool deal there. Uh, Psalm 15 speaks to what Yahweh desires for his people. Uh, the ESV study Bible notes that none of these things are outward ritual. They are all matters mm-hmm. of the heart, which I thought was actually a really good point. But David says, this is what you desire. And it's all about um, loving justice, truth, like all those different things. But it's not about you know the rituals and sacrifice and things like that. Psalm 16 uh, once again tackles one of the main themes of David's life, uh, and so you'll hear it right away. The first verse, preserve me, O Lord, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. And again, we talked about this a lot last week, but if there's really, if there's one way to sum up <laughs> David's, like, David's main uh, theme with God, it is that you are my fortress, you are my rock, you are my shield. Uh, and the psalm is very hopeful as David rejoices in God's security. We get to Psalm 17. Uh, it once again declares Yahweh's protection of David and the righteous. It also has this passage about the wicked. Uh, it says, their heart, they close their hearts to pity, their mouths with their mouths, they speak arrogantly. They have now surrounded our steps. They have set their eyes to cast us to the ground. He is like a lion eager to tear as a young lion lurking in ambush. Arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him, deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword, from men by your hand, O Lord, from men of who of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their womb with treasure. You are satisfied with children and they leave their abundance to their infants. So there you go. It's basically just got a lot of the Psalms you'll also notice it's david cheering on like go get him get the wicked you can do it yeah, you can you can do it so there you go it's a whole thing uh we get to psalm 19 we remember we did 18 earlier uh a few episodes ago now um it's one of my favorites so i'm just gonna read a long passage from 19 because i i think it's great uh the heavens declare the glory of god and the sky above proclaims his handiwork day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge there is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard their voice goes out throughout the earth and their words to the end of the world in them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, more to be desired than any gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. So I just think, yeah, I just love it. It's a great Psalm. 
It's just talking about how awesome God is. Um, I love the line of the heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, John Piper has a really good message on this that I, I took a I took a quote from it for a bumper video that we did a few years ago. But basically, it's just him going on about this psalm and how uh, God is shouting his glory at us and all of creation. And then this is one thing I always try to keep in mind when I'm reading the psalms, because I think when we read this today and David says, you know, the word of the Lord. A lot of times we think of that as being the whole Bible. And that's not inappropriate because that is what we should have in our hearts when we think of the word of God. But keep in mind when David is writing this, he's he has the law. He has the first five books of the Bible. So when he's rejoicing in the word of God, he's rejoicing specifically in mostly the rules. Mm-hmm. And so I love the line of the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. So it's not just that it's good. It's that following the law of God is a blessing to God's people. So really cool, really cool theme there. Uh, Psalm 20 is a blessing over the people of Israel and it encourages them to follow their covenant and the hope and hope in the favor of the Lord. Aaron, it's funny because I feel like we've been with Israel in a really high point for so long. I forget that it, uh, like obviously the people of Israel, they don't follow God's covenant. They they break covenant. All the time going Are forward. You sure? We've been spoiled. We've been spoiled because we went to, I mean, we had, we had Joshua, which was cool. And obviously the low point of judges, but then like the people have been pretty chill in most of Samuel. At least sure. they're not, not worshiping other idols at That's least true. for the most That's part. True. So, and now we're, we're about to, listener, we're about to dive in. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's going to get, it's going to get rough. Uh, Psalm 21 celebrates the strength of Yahweh and giving David's glory proper credit. Um, David declares that his glory is only possible because of God's salvation. So in the Psalm, you you hear David talking about his glory, but it's all framed through the idea that God is the one who has given him this glory. Uh, Psalm 22, I, I when I was reading this, I kept thinking, I bet you this was written during the Absalom crisis. Now we don't know, so that's why it's here, right? Because there's no... Um, it's not, that's not said definitively. Um, but it begins with my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you think for a second, listeners, if you think to yourself, that sounds familiar, that sounds really familiar. It's, it's, let me, let me see if any of these other things, you know, kind of jog the memories. Uh, verse 16 is for dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. And then verse 18, they divide my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. And so uh, I shouldn't say, obviously, if you don't know, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's famously said by Christ mm-hmm. on the cross. And what else is happening when Jesus is on the cross? His hands and feet are pierced um, and his garments are divided among the Roman guards. And so uh, when we hear, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We think of um, just that sentence literally. Uh, the Jews listening would have also had this in mind. They would have immediately, because it's the first line of the Psalm too. It's not even a deep cut. They, that Their minds would have gone to this and, and all of a sudden beginning to realize, oh, wow, this is pointing forward to it. Uh, Psalm 23, in my notes, I just said, yeah, we can just read this whole one. So this is, I mean, this is, I, it's, a, it's the most famous Psalm, right? I mean, I, don't, I can't imagine there's another one that is more popular or famous than this one, but it is, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Uh, I almost said amen, but it just feels appropriate there. It's not written. It just feels like oh, I should I should say amen after that. Amen. Uh, Wait, no, what? I mean, obviously super famous and it's famous for a reason, right? It's full of beautiful reminders. It's a beautiful picture of David's relationship with God. Um, I said this last week, last week, I kind of teased it, but David says um, when when he is being punished for having the census, he, he asks God, please only punish me. Do not punish my sheep. And so it shows the relationship that he feels with his people is like the relationship of a shepherd and a sheep. And that is that was David's first occupation. He was a shepherd. Mm-hmm. So he understands what he's saying when he's saying that. Um, and so I love the fact that he opens up with, I mean, translate literally, Yahweh is my shepherd, which is really cool. Um, and then this was pointed out by Keith Adamson, who's a, a speaker years ago when we went to a conference, but it switches. And I, I just, I never thought of it this way, but it switches halfway through where um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Uh, it keeps saying, it, it talks about God as he, and then all of a sudden it says, you prepare. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. It's a, uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. And that's where it switches. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Mm-hmm. So uh, really cool. There's there's always a ton of stuff that you can look at in Psalm yeah. 23. And there's a great book called Grace in the Valley by Heath as well. That would be applicable to read um, based upon Psalm 23. So I should give I should give that a read. You've never read that one? No. Oh, bro. I don't know if I actually one. I don't know if I've actually read these books. Yeah. He's a great. I mean, he's a great communicator. Um, he's not like your charismatic, like boisterous guy, uh, but he's very very well spoke. And so that's he's just one of the. I mean, he's one of my favorites. I think. There you go. Heath Adamson was the name of the way. Yeah, sorry. We didn't mention it again. Grace in the Valley is the name of the book. Boom. All right. Psalm 24. Uh, it is a celebration of God's glory, possibly written to celebrate the ark returning to Jerusalem. Again, who knows? <laughs> but it, 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 the, some of the language of it makes it seem like this is probably what it was for, uh, particularly because it ends with this declaration. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory, Selah. I love that. It's just like, it's just praising God. It's like, how awesome, how awesome is Yahweh Elohim? It's it's just a great deal. It's, it's, I love it. Uh, Psalm 25 is a cry out for mercy that sort of, it sort of goes against some of the Psalms where David declares that he deserves God's favor. Um, in 25, David is asking the Lord not to remember the sins of his youth and to help him walk in his ways. So, and we, and I mentioned this a little bit last week as well. So many of the Psalms of David are asking God, deal with me according to my righteousness and basically saying, hey, like I've, I've followed your covenant, deal with me accordingly. Psalm 25 is a really good picture of I guess Christian penitence in this in the sense of David is not claim, claiming to be uh, deserving of anything. He's saying, "Please don't, please don't remember the iniquities of my youth. Please don't remember my mistakes. Deal mercifully with me." Uh, Psalm twenty six has the same request of mercy, but with a decidedly different tone. So this one says, "Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in integrity. I have and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering." 
Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go to your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. So we're, we're back to the original tone of when David asks for uh, God's deliverance. Psalm 27 uh, in this one, David reveals in revels, sorry, in the glory of God and declares that all he wants to do is dwell with Yahweh and seek after him. Uh, and it's just, it's just a beautiful look at David's heart for the Lord there. Psalm 28 is another call for mercy, and it carries the famous declaration that Yahweh is David's strength and his shield. So uh, that's not that's not the metaphor that's used all the time. Fortress is the most common one, but strength and shield is also great. Plus, you know, it, you've got some nice English alliteration. So, you know, a lot of times the poetry... Which makes all the difference. Well, I, here's the thing. The, the hardest part about biblical poetry is the hardest part about reading poetry from any other language is that most of it gets lost in translation, like the wordplay and all those different things. You don't, you don't catch any of it. So, you know, a little alliteration, it's like a little, you know, it's like a little, a little bit of the Hebrew made it in, I guess. So who knows? <laughs> uh, Psalm 29 extols the glory of God, and it kind of feels like it could be ripped out of the end of Job. So if you remember the end of Job, where it's just talking about God's command over, uh, over creation, this is where just just yeah, this feels like you would have to change it a little bit, but it feels like you could really stick it in there if you wanted to. Uh, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice or the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. I guess specifically it would fit into the last Elihu speech of Job, where he's like talking about the approaching glory of God as the moment's coming. It feels like you could just kind of slide it in there. <laughs> also, sorry, Lebanon. Yeah, just all, all their cedars just getting broken there. Uh, psalm 30 is a psalm of thanksgiving that carries this famous passage. It says, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Uh, speaking of 90s worship songs, this one makes me think of <laughs> joy cometh in the morning, joy cometh in the morning. Joy cometh in the morning. Let me hear you say, done. You ever heard that one? Nope. We grew up in very different churches. Yes, we did. But what are you going to do? So, uh, but yeah, and also here's the thing. Psalms make great worship songs. Absolutely. You have to change it well, a little bit. Most of them to... have music attached to them. True. FYI. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I mean like you have to like directly translate. You still have to play with it a little bit to make it work as an English song, but it's a, it's a good time. But I, 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 all that to say, I don't want to miss the main theme of this, which is also the idea um, that God's anger is for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And basically the idea is even in the midst of really difficult times, mm -hmm. the people of Israel, and by extension us today in the new covenant, we can always hope in the deliverance of the Lord. Yeah. So really beautiful thing to keep in mind. Psalm 31 is another psalm for with David crying out for deliverance. Uh, David reiterates that Yahweh is his fortress. And he speak, and speaking of sayings of Christ on the cross, he declares, into your hands I commit my spirit. You have Ooh. redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. So looking forward there a little bit as well. Interesting. Uh, and once again, it's, it's not that when Jesus says these things, it's not meaning the literal sentence, but it is 
it is showing that the audience, not the Romans, but the Jews who were there, these are things that would have popped into their head. Yeah. So it helps bring a little bit of extra uh, life into those moments as well. Cool. Uh, Psalm 32 rejoices in the forgiveness of Yahweh. Uh, and take a look at the contrast of the wicked and righteous here. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, so the first part, we're talking about the righteous. I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me the iniquity of my sin, Selah. And then when we get to the wicked, it says, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And so I thought it was really interesting here that the contrast is not that the righteous are perfect. It's that uh, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me of my sin. So basically it's not saying, hey, I'm awesome. I've never sinned. It's saying that when I've sinned, I've brought it before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I've and so it, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a good thing to keep in mind as well. And I think it's also, we, um, there's part, I think there's parts of prayer that we just don't incorporate as much anymore. Like even like following the Lord's prayer, like kind of going like through the, not saying it word for word necessarily, but like going through the basic things. Um, like how often do we bring confession in as like a part of our prayer? Not, not very often. So it's a, it's a good thing to think about. Let's be honest. No one wants to confess. It's, I mean, it's no fun. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Psalm 35 sees David call out to God for deliverance from his enemies. The Psalm this psalm in particular focuses on the shortcomings of his enemies. So basically, it's 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 not just go after my enemies because I followed your covenant. It's go after my enemies because they suck. So paraphrase, Evans, Evans version. Uh, psalm 36 opens with a condemnation of the wicked, and it ends with rejoicing in God's steadfast love. Uh, a couple highlights from here. It says, for he flattens himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and to do good. He plots trouble while on his bed and he sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. So not a great picture of the wicked there. Uh, and then as it goes on, it says, Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There are evildoers, there the evildoers lie fallen and they are thrust down, unable to rise. So once again, going after the wicked here, Uh, Psalm 37, which is our penultimate Psalm of my section, at least. Uh, This Psalm tackles a really interesting theme and it's the idea that the righteous should not be jealous of the success of the wicked, which is, we don't see that theme explored very often. So basically it's saying, yeah, the wicked might have moments where they have more because they're dishonest and they're stealing. Uh, but that's not something we should be jealous of. So a couple highlighted sections here. Um, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like grass grass, and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, another section the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him, but the Lord laughs at the wicked for he sees that his day is coming. That's kind of a scary line. Yep. Uh, and then the last one, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever le- lending generously and his children become a blessing. Speaking of worship songs from the 90s, do you remember that one? The young but now I'm old, but never have I seen the righteous forsaken. Bum, 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 nope. Bum, bum. 
even though you told me you would always hold. What's the what's the freaking chorus? It's um. I always, I just want to say I'm not afraid. I know that you were with me always. That one's not '90s. I think that one actually came out when I was like in high school, and I was like, ah, I still dig this. It's a good time. All right, I'm telling you. Je ne sais pas. Psalm, psalm worship songs are a good time. Uh, and then finally, Psalm 38, it once again cries out to God for forgiveness. Uh, or I shouldn't say it. <laughs> David cries out for God to God for forgiveness. Um, however, this one, again, gives me some real Joby vibes in some, uh, in some sections. So just a couple highlights here. Oh, Lord, rebuke me not in your eyes, nor discipline me in your wrath, for your arrows have sunk into me and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin, for I, my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy to me. Uh, so there, it, the the metaphor of your arrows have sunk into me, that's what Job uses. He talks about how uh, it's as if God has been shooting arrows into him the whole time. And then the other passage I, I thought was interesting was, but for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. For I said, only let them not rejoice over me who boast against me when my foot slips. And just the idea of waiting on the Lord alone for an answer. Huh? Yeah, just a little bit, a little bit there. Well, we will continue our psalm extravaganza here in a second. But first, we do want to take a moment to remind you to leave us a five-star review if you haven't had a chance to do that yet on whatever platform you're listening, particularly on Apple Podcasts and Spotify is where it's the most helpful. And on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a written review. And if you do, we will read it on the air, just like we're doing for Jesus Lives 92. Hey, that's true. And the year I was born. Did you leave this review? No. I'm just kidding. So, uh, yeah, this individual, I don't know if it's a he or her. Um, so we're just going to say, thank you, Jesus lives. That's kind of weird to say that way, but it works. Uh, and this is what they wrote. They said, ideally, scripture is not meant to be understood by oneself, but in a community of faithful Yahweh followers, uh, which is so true. And I think that's the beauty of what we get to do on this podcast, but also all across the world. Um, and I don't say that to be like weird or uh, flippant or over-exaggerated. Like, it's, it's incredible to see... All the different spots popping up in our and the data about where the podcast is reaching and the downloads that we have. I think one of the ones we just saw this week was like the Cook Islands. Uh, and so, oh, I forgot. Yeah, the, oh, here's the deal: we have one Manx listener for the Isle of Man. I was like, what? Because they updated the platform. So, I was like, holy cow! So yeah, so it's really fun to be able to see you know the podcast continue to grow in its reach, but also the community of of faithful Yahweh followers grow together. So thank you for that. Um, he says, I am so glad the Grove Church not only encourages the community reading plan, but also provides this podcast to lead the charge into understanding scripture together. Aaron and Evan's passion for the truth of God's words is evident in every episode, although also their humility and meekness in translating its ancient meaning into timeless principles and present application is exemplary. Um, these are some great, great, dude, we should like take this and frame it and throw it out there. Thank um, you. They are respectful and unafraid to joke, disagree, or admit they don't have all the answers. Finally, they their recommendations for additional resources are insightful and practical Next steps for unearthing the many treasures of God's word. Keep it up, gentlemen. Your work is appreciated. God bless you. Uh, we appreciate that review as well. God bless you as well. And and it, it, even you, listener, God bless you as well. This is such a fun thing to be a part of. Um, and it's it's one of those things that's like we get to celebrate God. <laughs> what we, we love what we get to do in this regard. So um, continuing the Psalms extravaganza, um, the conversation is simply this. We have got more Psalms to hit. So uh, we're just going to dive right in. We're continuing in the Psalms, Psalm chapter 39. Uh, we'll see that it talks about the fleeting nature of life. 
Um, and you'll see that David will take time to compare life expectancy to inches, to a vapor, to a shadow. Uh, and a, a key verse that I would I would say is, is worth highlighting from this psalm is verse 7, where it says, Now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Uh, and so I just love the conversation that David has in regards to his hope does not is not anchored to this life or how long his life is, but it really is anchored to to Yahweh. It is anchored to the Lord. Um Psalm 40 is a thanks, it's thanks, it's a thanksgiving psalm. It's a thanksgiving psalm. Thanks, everybody. Uh, accompanied with a cry for help. Um, and, and you'll see that David has a celebratory moment, but also cries out to God for help. Uh, and so I say like a key section in this in this psalm is verses 11 to 13. Lord, you do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and trust will always guard me for troubles without numbers surround me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I am unable to see. They are more than the hairs on my head and my courage leaves me. Lord, be pleased to rescue me. Hurry to help me, Lord. Uh, and so you have this this honest, raw moment. I, I I can think of a couple different times in my life, multiple different times in my life, where I I find the same like God. I just need you to deliver me. God, I just need, help me. I'm overwhelmed. Um, and David recognizes a part of the reality of the iniquities that he has have overtaken him. Um, so that's kind of Psalm 40. Psalm 41 is victory in spite of betrayal. Uh, if you don't know this, if you you, you you haven't been hearing everything we've been saying about David's life. He gets betrayed a few different times in his life. Uh, and so this could actually plug into any one of those different moments of betrayal, either from um, his sons. He's got two sons that kind of disregard and betray him, or he's got a couple of close followers, uh, close leaders of his. Um, but I would say the, the some key verses out of Psalm 41 here, verses 10 and 11, uh, it says, But you, Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up, then I will repay them. By this, I know that you delight in me. My enemy does not shout in triumph over me. Uh, that even in the midst of betrayal, you see David will will celebrate in God's victory that he is given. Um, and I love that uh, he even attributes the triumph to God uh, and, and God's ability to raise him up uh, to do so. It's not about him, which I think is a big deal. Um, Psalm 53 is this picture or portrait of sinners uh, and David essentially just describes what a sinner looks like. So I'm just going to read the six verses here. Uh, Psalm 53, verse 1 through 6 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. I feel like we read that somewhere before, but I can't recall. It happens. Uh, But that's, I mean, it's a pretty famous saying in general. I think we, uh, but it it is this idea that the fool says in his heart, there's no God. They are corrupt and do vile deeds. There's no one who does good. Uh, God looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there's one who is wise, who seeks God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never understand? They consume my people as they consume bread. They do not call on God. Uh, they, then they will be filled with dread, dread like no other, because God will scatter the bones of those who besiege you. You will put them to shame, for God has rejected them. Oh, that Israel's deliverance would come from Zion. When God restores the fortune of his people, let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. Um, and you see this, David is witnessing the oppression of God's people uh, by individuals who have rejected God, uh, and ultimately God will turn their rejection on their own heads. Um, and it looks forward to, to the deliverance of Israel that will come from Zion. Um, and I do think it's important we're saying, which is why I want to read, like, it's this idea of sin, like essentially sin is the one who rejects God, which is foolishness. 
Um, and it's it, the reality is like when we sin, it can very easily be attributed to a simple truth that we reject God as a sovereign creator and Lord in the midst of whatever decision we make. Um, and and that's what we have to come to grapple with, that we are actively, sir, I mean, it's, it's uh, was it MacArthur that said that idol worshiping, like our, our hearts are just uh, an unending- Idol factory, Idol factory or whatever. Who said it, yeah. um, but it's just this idea, like we are always at war about who are we going to worship, who are we going to submit to? Uh, and so David paints a very simple picture as far as what a sinner looks like. It's essentially someone who's rejecting God. So in the midst of my sin, where am I rejecting God's sovereignty or God's rulership? Um, and so that's, it's a, it's a it's a challenging Psalm to read through and to think, so, think through and consider. Um, Psalm 55, we see again, betrayal of a friend. Um, and you can really in this one see a devastation that David must have felt in writing this. Uh, he talks about the trouble, the slander and the harassment from a close friend. Uh, and he ultimately calls to the audience to cast our burdens on the Lord because he will sustain those who are righteous, even in the midst of close betrayal. Uh, so for me, the key verses here would be, it's n- now it's not an enemy who insults me. This is verses 12 through 14. Now it's not an enemy who insults, insults me. Otherwise I could bear it. It is not a foe who rises up against me. Otherwise I could hide from him. But it is you, a man who is my peer, my companion and good friend. We have we used to have close fellowship. We walked with the crowd into the house of God. Uh, and there's mo- this, this, this for me is reflected back to... Um, What's his name? Shoot, why can't I remember it? Uh, but when he is fleeing from Absalom, was it Absalom? And Absalom called his one of his close advisors. Um, oh, is well, it Ahith- Ahithophel? Ahithophel, thank you. There you go. I was like, I was gonna say uh, Ash, whatever. I was gonna say his brother's name, and it wasn't right. Ashiel, ah. uh, not Abiathar. I know, I know him. Well, so. no, Ashiel's not. Ashiel's uh, Abishai's brother. Abishai and Joab's brother. All these names, bro. There's just... So, I apologize, listener. I, I missed the boat on that one. But Ahithophel, this, this one kind of carries a little bit of... Like, this is a guy that David was weeping and mourning as he was leaving the city uh, when Absalom took over. Um, and he found out that Ahithophel also went with Absalom. Uh, and so that's a big... And if you remember, Ahithophel found out that his advice was thwarted um, because David had another... In the in the in the fire to 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 thwart the advice, and he ended up hanging himself. But I could see David uh, lamenting and being devastated by this uh, by Ahithophel's departure. Uh, so I could see that kind of fit in there. Again, it's not set in stone, but that's kind of speculation, I guess. Um, Psalm fifty-eight is a cry against injustice, um, and you can really see the frustration and vitriol David has for those uh, for those who are, have been unjustly cared for uh, here through the verbiage. Uh, the verbs like knock their teeth out of their mouths or tear out the young lion's fangs. Um, he contrasts the wicked of the injustice and poor judgment with the righteous, righteous's hope uh, and rejoicing in a God who judges the earth. Uh, so I would say the key verses here are verses 10 and 11, where it says that the righteous one will ju- rejoice when he sees the rep- retribution. He will wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. Then the people will say, yes, there is a reward for the righteous. There is a God who judges the earth. Um, and so you see this, this outcry against injustice and this re-anchoring to a just ruler in God who judges the earth. Uh, Psalm 61 is this picture of security in God. Uh, and the most in the midst of difficulty and trial, David celebrates his security in God who is his refuge. I would say a key verse here is verses two and three uh, verses. Uh, I call to you from the ends of the earth when my heart is without strength. Lead me to a rock that is high above me, for you have been a refuge for me. 
Uh, so I just love the hope and the encouragement that David gives us in the book of Psalms here in that regard. Uh, Psalm 62 is this picture of trusting alone in God. Uh, he reaffirms his confidence and trust in God alone uh, as compared to uh, a trust in just human, in, in a person. Um, and so you see this kind of played against oneself, either trusting God or trust in man. Uh, the key verses here would be verses one and two. I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. Um, and I just think the certainty and the the foundation of truth and, and God alone is a big deal there. Uh, so really encouraging there. Um, psalm 64 is uh, the psalm surrounded, surrounded the, by the idea of protection from evildoers. Uh, he describes the oppression from wicked people, but then celebrates God who is the victor. Uh, key verses here, seven and eight. Uh, but God will shoot them with arrows. Suddenly they will be wounded. They will made, be made to stumble. Their own tongues work against, against them. All who seek them will shake their heads. Um, and I just love that the idea of, of evildoers, of the wicked who are causing oppression or persecution or even fighting, um, that God, David's confidence is that God will... God will turn it all back on them, that they will be made to stumble. They will be wounded. Their own tongues will deceive themselves. Like it's this picture that they will be proved foolish because of the wise sovereignty of God. Psalm 65 uh, is this picture of God's care for the earth. Uh, And it takes a moment to review God's provision and sovereignty over the whole earth. Um, how God cares for it by his power and might, uh, which in turn res- brings a response of awe. Uh, so I would just say simply key, a key verse here is verse eight. It says, those who live far away are awed by your signs. You make the East and the West shout for joy. Uh, and being someone who likes photography and landscape is probably one of my favorite things to capture. Um, I totally can see the picture of like, there's moments of just being awed. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon and just seeing the vastness of the Grand Canyon, it's awe-inspiring. Um, when it says that you make the East and the West shout for joy, my, my mind goes to sunsets and sunrises because uh, the sun rises in the East and sets in the West. Um, and it's it, they're both very vibrant, powerful pictures. Um, one that I would say, you know, inspires joy. Uh, and so it is this awe-inspiring picture of God's care for the earth, God's provision in the earth, his sovereignty over the whole earth. Um, and it's by his power and might that he does these things. It's such an incredible uh, thing to think about and consider. Psalm 66 uh, is this picture where David is praising God for his mighty acts. Um, so like acts, A-C-T-S, not his like acts, like Thor's acts, um, not his hammer anymore because it's changed to an axe. But yeah, same uh, thing. I guess it's a mall really. Uh, but it, Psalm 66 reflects on the victories of God, the miracles in and among creation, uh, and then draws a gives a proper response to draw us to a proper response to such acts. Key verses here, I would say, verses 13 to 15. It says, I will enter your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows that my lips promised and my mouth spoke during my distress. I will offer you fattened sheep and as burnt offerings with fragrant smoke. With the fragrant smoke of rams, I will sacrifice bulls with goats. Uh, and I say these are key verses because the the natural response to God's victory, the natural response to God's miracles would be worship. I think that uh, when when they sacrifice, it's an attitude and an aspect of worship that they're bringing to the Lord things that, that uh, are, are worth something. And so worship should carry that same weight for us. Um, so 
David reflecting on God's victories and his mighty acts should evoke worship, uh, even for us today. Maybe it's not killing of animals or the fragrant smoke of rams, um, but it should be uh, something that is pleasing and edifying to the Lord. And uh, So I think the proper response there is worship. Uh, psalm 67 uh, says that all will praise God, celebrates, uh, it's, and this psalm celebrates God's provision for his people and highlights as a result, all the people will recognize who God is and worship him. The key verses are right out the gate. Uh, and I do, and I highlight this because I think it's interesting. Um, I don't see this very often in a lot of the Psalms, but it, it, it adds a Selah moment in between the two verses. Um, and it seems like it's one thought, but it seems like it's meant to, to be a statement that causes a moment of reflection. And then he continues the thought. Uh, so what I mean by that, it's this, it says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us. Now stop. This is where it says Selah, uh, which is caused to pause and ponder uh, about what's just been said. Now, this statement is also uh, a, re- a reiteration of the the numbers priestly uh, blessing that would be spoken over uh, God's people. The, the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Um, and so there is this, this mirroring statement here. Um, but I love that it causes, it says, Selah, at the end of may his, make his face shine upon us. And then he says, so that you may be known on our earth, your salvation among all the nations. Um, and I just like that it, it should cause us to stop for a second to remember um, God's favor, God's faithfulness, God's grace shown to us, given to us. Um, and as we think about that and consider the, the hope is that we would kind of fall in line with David's heart to, here too. So, and, and we could say in unison, like, so that, the, so that your way may be known to the earth and your salvation among all the nations. Um, so I think that's a pretty significant part of the verse or the passage there. Psalm 68 uh, focuses on God's majestic power. David highlights the sheer might and power of God. No one can stand against him. He alone brings salvation and protection. Uh, the key verse here is verse one, where it says, God arises, his enemies scatter. Those who hate him flee from his presence. Um, no one can stand when God steps up. So uh, I just think it's a pretty simple, powerful verse. Uh, Psalm 69 is this plea for a plea for rescue. David is facing persecution, rejection, humiliation, not just because his trust is in God, but also his trust in God in the midst of it, in the midst of his foolishness. And I love this section of the Psalm. It's a fairly long one, but there's a few verses here I'll highlight. Uh, it says this in verse five through 13, it says, God, you know, my foolishness and my guilty acts are not hidden from you. I think all of us could identify with David in this moment. It's true. Um, And then he says, but do not let those who put their hope in you be disgraced because of me. The Lord of God, the Lord God of armies, do not let those who seek you be humiliated because of me, God of Israel. And as a pastor and a leader, like this is one that speaks directly to my heart because I don't ever want my foolishness to be a reason why people are are no longer pursuing God. Um, And so this is like a really like challenging, thought provoking one for me. Uh, verse seven says, for I have endured insults because of you, referring to God, because I identify, because I trust in you, uh, and shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and a foreigner to my mother's sons because zeal for your house has consumed me. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. I mourned and I fasted, but it brought me insults. I wore sackcloth as my clothing. I was a joke to them. Those who sit at the city gate talk about me and drunkards make up songs about me. But as for me, Lord, my prayer for you, my prayer to you is is for a time of favor and your abundant faithful love, God, 
answer me with your sure salvation. And I just love that even in the midst of the persecution, even in the midst of the ridicule, David takes a moment to say, God, this is my prayer, is that there will still be a time of favor, even though your, your people, even though these people make fun of me and judge me and persecute me, may you bring favor in your abundant, faithful love. Um, and I think it's such a cool thing. Uh, it's, it's a kingly thing to do. Uh, we have a few more Psalms here. Psalm 70 is a call for deliverance. David is fleeing for his life and cries out to God for a quick and speedy deliverance. He contrasts those who seek his life to those who hope in God. Key verse here is five. He says, I'm oppressed and needy. Hurry to me. God, you are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. Uh, and so he he cries out that God would show up quickly. Uh, Psalm 86 is a lament and petition. He is lamenting those who are seeking to kill him, who do not look to God for guidance. He petitions God to bring deliverance and calls out to God, petitioning him to be the refuge and rock and deliverer. Uh, And I appreciate the humility here of of some of David's requests in the midst of him crying out to God. Uh, He says this in the midst of this. He says, verse 11 through 13, teach me your way and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. I will praise you with all my heart, Lord my God, and honor your name forever. For your faithful love for me is great, and you rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. Uh, and so it's just a really cool picture where he's he, he's still in the midst of uh, of the, the situation, the circumstance he's facing. He's saying, God, teach me your way. Uh, and such a, a great thought, great challenge. Psalm 101 uh, is the last psalm for us this week, uh, and it's a vow of integrity. Um, David makes an appeal to not only live with integrity, but also to surround himself with people of integrity. Um, Now, whether I I, I say this, whether this is before or after Bathsheba, the Bathsheba moment, I don't really know. Um, But I can see it applying to pre-bath days or post-bath days, um, meaning Bathsheba. Yeah, right. Or post-Sheba. Pre-Sheba. Yeah, pre-Sheba. But I could see it it applying to either one. Um, Either way, it's an incredible song. And so I'm going to end it and I'm going to read the psalm uh, as we wrap up our psalms reading this week. It's eight verses. Um, But it's this picture of integrity that I think is really... As a follower of Christ, um, and at the Grove Church, we we say we, we say it this way: like we believe we will have Christ-centered character. Um, we believe integrity is everything. Without it, nothing else matters. Um, and I, I would say this as a Christ follower: uh, integrity should be something we hold in very high esteem. Um, and integrity is not being perfect. Integrity is making sure you're living as righteously as possible. And when you do sin, when you do fall short, you make it known quickly, and you repent, and you confess, and you submit yourselves humbly to God. Um, and so I just love that. I, I think this is such a great Psalm, even to end the week's reading on, um, and even to end our Psalm extravaganza portion for today. Uh, it says this verse one, it says, I will sing of the faithful love and justice. I will sing praise to you, Lord. I will pay attention to the way of integrity. When will you come to me? I will live with the heart of integrity of my house in my house. I will not let any worthless guide anything worthless guide me. I hate the practices of transgression. It will not cling to me. A devious heart will be far from me. I will not be involved with evil. I will destroy anyone who secretly slanders his neighbor. I cannot tolerate anyone with haughty eyes or an arrogant heart. Quick side note, this is not freedom to go destroy a neighbor and someone who's slandering your neighbor. FYI. Uh, it says verse six, my eyes pray or my eyes favor the faithful of the land so that they may sit down with me. The one who follows the way of integrity may serve me. No one who acts deceitfully will live in my palace. The one who tells lies will not be retained here to guide me. 
Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land, wiping out all evildoers from the Lord's city. Uh, and so I just think it's it's actually, for me, like a really fitting way to end the book of Psalms for the week um, as David leaves uh, leaves us today with this vow of integrity. Uh, and so that that's what concludes our our Psalms for the week. Extra, Psalms extravaganza. You part, made it. Part one. You made it. Good job. Next week. We're finishing, we're finishing up this bad boy. Most of the songs, there's a few that we won't read, but we're, we're going to get most of them. Uh, well, but before we sign off today, we do want to take a minute to talk about what we learned today. All right. So this week I wrote down, I, I, I cheated, I guess a little bit. I don't know. I wrote down three things, but I was just kind of struck by what were the three major themes of the Psalms that- uh, That's cheating, the, but I know. What are you going to do? Just kidding. Uh, but the David's major themes for, for my group of Psalms was, uh, and we said a bunch, the Lord is my fortress. Or in mm-hmm. other words, where do we go to find our refuge? Uh, when we are feeling insecure, do we run to God? Do we run to something else? Um, is the Lord the fortress of our lives? Uh, number two- my forgiveness is found in the Lord. Or in other words, are we trying to be justified through other ways or are we trusting in the grace and the forgiveness of God in our own lives? Uh, and then finally, I must strive to live according to the word of the Lord. Or in other words, is it important for us as Christians? Or it, it is, sorry, that's the answer. But do we think, <laughs> yes. do we think that it is important uh, to live? lives of integrity, to live lives where we where we follow the commands of God. Um, and again, our motivation isn't to be saved. Our motivation is because we've been saved, because God loves us, we can show our love for him in part by obeying his commandments. Mm-hmm. So I think those three things for me, uh, the idea that the, the Lord is our refuge, our forgiveness is found in the Lord, and that we must strive to live according to the word of the Lord are kind of the three major themes I saw in, in the, the big group of Psalms. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, for me, I probably have already said it in weeks past or even even in, in some of my discourse today and, and last week and the week before, um, which is the same thing as I said a few seconds ago. Anyways, all I say, um, it's just for me, this continued picture of consistent and regular anchor to God, no matter the situation. Um, and David did not um, maintain his hope um, and his assert, certainty, his certainty in God because of his circumstance that was done long before he endured the circumstances. Um, and so it's, it's a matter of understanding the consistent and regular anchor where he is consistently regularly anchoring himself back to God, no matter what the situation is, the good moments and the bad moments, the, um, the hard moments, the betrayal moments, the, the, the anxious moments, the grief stricken moment, all of these different things. David is anchoring himself continually back to the Lord. There's not very many Psalms that leave us without a hopeful ending. There are some, but I, there's a there's lot few of few and far between. There are a lot of them are re-anchored to, but my joy is in the Lord, or my hope is in the Lord, or God, you will do and you will act. There's there's a a an anchor and a truth and a line of hope in the majority of the Psalms that David wrote, um, which is really important because I think uh, for us today, it's not circumstantial, but it's it's consistent length and time that matters the most um, and, and our faithfulness and our engagement with the Lord. And so um, I think when when I read through David's life and I, I look at his, his the Psalms for this week, um, I'm just I'm just amazed at 
his consistency and his his continued faithfulness to stay anchored to God no matter the situation, which is really challenging and, and, and thought-provoking for us today. All right. Well, there you go. Well, that does wrap it up for this week's episode of Let's Read the Bible. As a reminder, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only resource of the Grove Church. You can find our other resources on our website, grove.church, under the media page. And if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to financially contribute to the ministry of the Grove Church does, you can do that on our website as well. There's a give button in the upper right-hand corner. And hey, thank you all so much for listening. Have a great week.